Keeping it real on cliffcentral.com. Unreal. Uncensored. Unradio. Cliffcentral.com. Womanla on cliffcentral.com. <laughs> it's 12 o'clock. It's Wednesday and you're listening to Womanla. I'm Pumima Shekho and uh, that was the voice of young, <laughs> gorgeous. She's laughing already, which I absolutely love. You're going to be just at home. You're going to be right at home here, Hilda. We <laughs> love you. laughing and we love life. This is the show for women that are full of life, women that are making things happen and women that are all about living the womanla life. So thank you very much, Hilda, for coming and chatting with me. You have to start by telling me how I say your surname. Landerstedt. Landerstedt. But I'm just Hilda <laughs> to everyone out there. <laughs> you see, because um, there's nothing worse than people saying your name wrong. It's a very sensitive issue here in South Africa when people say our okay. names wrong. Oh, no, and you keep on spelling your name over and over. I can spell my name in my sleep. <laughs> Hilda, yeah. thank you very much for coming. I know it's a very, very stressful day for all you wealth <laughs> gurus because tomorrow and Friday, tomorrow, Thursday, yes, Thursday. tomorrow and Friday, Friday, Wealth Summit. It's more the Wealth Movement Summit. Wealth Movement, Movement Summit. Summit. Yes. Starts yes. tomorrow. Starts and tomorrow you Friday. are one of the panelists. So you're yes. going on stage. Yes, with a lot of men. <laughs> I'm like the only woman. Story of my life is the women in, in, amongst men. So that's that's quite nerve-wracking when you, you rate it and on stage. Just with a lot of men and having to voice or represent the female how can anything How can anything be nerve-wracking for you? So <laughs> when I was reading up on you, so you started your own company. You made it. I had to write it down when it said nine-figure. To say nine-figure. And I was like, how? what is that exactly? So I had to write it down and go, one, zero, 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 <laughs> And that was, that's, so how can anything intimidate you having built a business empire from scratch or by yourself? How can anything intimidate you? When you put it like that, how can I disagree? <laughs> but it's always something new. It's always, it doesn't, yeah, it, I guess it doesn't really intimidate. It's just still... Uh, you always want to be the best and you always want to give people the best. So that's a little bit intimidating is to make sure that I perform my best and I give my best, even like now, to make sure that I give my best to you. Tell me about, let's start at the beginning. Before we talk about the wealth movement, let's start at the beginning. Let's talk about your business. Yes. Why you started it. Tell us a little bit about your business and why you started it. I think... I was quite young and, you know, full of ambition. And like all of us, we're going to take over the world. And I was in a corporate job. The world needs to be taken over <laughs> by women, I'll tell yes. you that. Um, and I was in a corporate job. And I was just at that point where I sort of reached, we've, we've done phenomenally well for the business and very successful. But I felt there had to be something more. I was a bit... Tired of the corporate games of you don't know who to trust and, and that sort of, and I just had this burning feeling inside myself. I want to do more. There has to be something more. And I started doing, I was in always in a sales marketing branding position and I started doing research in the healthcare environment to see what's the new trends more as a service to our clients. So we were servicing pharmacies, um, and hospitals and healthcare because I saw that we were, do, I was at a distribution business and there were more and more health products coming. And when I did the research, I just knew this is what I wanted to do and not never done it. I just, somehow the magic just started happening and I was starting, I was meeting people and that people helped me and eventually I had to take the plunge. It was either stay in a job or you're going to do this and you're going to just hope and pray you know, that you're going to make a success. And I had a lot of belief and a lot of, um, I, I just had that voice inside me that I needed to do this, even if it failed so well. My mother was crying because I was giving up my good job and everybody <laughs> was telling me, don't do it, don't do it. I went to one person, a very successful person in the industry, and he said to me, I will support you, give me a price and 
go and do it and I will buy your product for you because I developed a product which I never done before. And that to me was the sign that I have to do it. And I resigned my job and I started this business, which was tough. So I think my lesson there was do not listen to all the naysayers if you really hear that voice that this is what you need to do. And I guess the rest was, I don't know if it was purpose, divine, it was magic, it was hard work and was never giving up. And we, and we, um, we formulated amazing products that really my purpose that I felt at that point was to make a difference to the world through people's health. Because if you feel healthy, you can contribute to your life, to your family, to your work much better. And I think that was what my driving force was, was always to find something that was better that could help people with specific health conditions. And the, the business just grew. So it's something we, I'm immensely grateful for that, uh, you know that, but it was hard work. And but okay, so <laughs> before the hard work, I know we all think about um, when when something drives you that passionately. It's you. You sometimes forget about the hard work because the passion takes over. You know, the passion carries yeah. you. At that point, it didn't feel like because this is just what you do. Your two hours sleep a night is what you do. Thinking back now, it was like well, when you get to the end of a year, you think back on your year and it's like a blur. How did we manage to get through it? Then you realize what you've done. But I guess while you're in the process or doing it, that's what needs to be done and you just do it. What did it feel like when, when you cashed your first check? 15 years ago when we started it was no I think not really the first check because I was not I was not really chasing the money ever it was when the first person took the product off the shelf that to me was the best feeling ever like I described that and then more and more people you know when more and more people and then the letters that we got on you changed my life and I'm so feeling so much better that was what was driving me ultimately. And I knew we were, um, we were saying that the first month we'll do a million rand turnover. We're going to party like it's never going to stop. <laughs> and the first month we did, we were so tired. <laughs> we just went home and sleep. So, so I was never, I never was, I'm going to, I'm going to do it because it's going to be a million bucks. So there's going to be 10 million bucks at the end of it. It was more. The gratification I got when, you know, the feedback we got from people that were using the products, that was driving me. Now, one of the things um, is somebody that believed in you. Um, and that comes across very strongly when, when I read up on, on what you've done and where you've been. Because you, you have a lot of people who have believed in you. And you've had lots of coaching, business coaching, mentoring, um, Famous people, <laughs> including <Yeah>. so. <laughs> As um, story of my life, meeting awesome people like you and famous people like you. <laughs> I'll take that out. I'll take that out. Thank you. <laughs> but, but the and and you've carried that through, you know. So you you didn't just benefit from people believing in you and mentoring you. It's one of the things that you do, sharing your experience and knowledge. Um. What drives you to do that as you're still building this business? You know, the, the mentoring and coaching really is a different business to what you are I, in business. I think for. from the mentoring and co it's, and what I, re I learned from uh, recently from Richard Branson is everybody is the mentor and a coach. I'm sorry I never had coaching even before. It's only recently when, after I sold that business, that is sort of what now, where to next, that I engage with coaching and mentoring. So I don't think, uh, you know, for me is like you mentor people as in discussions and in conversations or you help people. You, you set their ideas and I can talk, uh, you know, but the woman in my life that I deal with is give them guidance, give them help, give them advice. And then they can in turn turn their lives and make their lives better. It's up to them if they want to listen to it, obviously. But um, Like all advice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like all advice. So, but but advice they say when the student the is ready, the teacher appears. Mm. So the, the people in my life that mm. seeks my advice or seeks my help are usually the people that's ready for the next level or, or ready to hear the advice. And sometimes um, 
it's not always easy because sometimes you have to say things that they don't want to hear or, you, you know, they don't want to listen to. And then they most go back and they listen and they get over their anger and over the fact that you took them out of their comfort zone and they come back and they say, thank you. you With know, some I, of the coaching, you, you are an incredibly calm person. You're very open. You're a very lovely person. I can't imagine you. Um, Having a conversation with someone, a, a coaching conversation with someone and somebody telling you something you don't want to hear. Have you ever had that experience? Telling me something. Yeah. I don't so hear. as you're, you're going through your own journey of, of developing yourself, have you had instances where you look back and you go, oh, I really didn't want to do that, but I did it. Or I really didn't want to do that and I didn't do it and I wish I had. I, no, when when I get advice, I evaluate it and see where, how, how does it resonate with me or how does it make me feel. So if someone says to me something that I don't want to hear, very often it's those blind spots or those things that you, that you don't want to hear. <laughs> and then you have to go and look at it. And why is this evoking such an emotion in me? Because that to me is then the sign that there's maybe something I need to just be aware of or need to work on. Because really... The things that doesn't affect you, you don't even hear those comments. Or so I take everything as a growth and as a lesson. That um, maybe it is something I'm not seeing about myself. It's not at the moment. I think I've done phenomenal personal growth over the last uh, three years. So really? I must say, How at so? the moment, it's not. It's not something I hear that often. You know that people. Criticize me if you put it that way. Maybe I just see or hear their opinions in a different, in a different way, you know. What's the best advice you've ever gotten? The best advice I was maybe 18 years ago. I met the husband of a very successful lady. She was running mines and earning money at that point. That was beyond what we could think. And I went to him and I said to him, what do I have to do to be like your wife, to be able to earn that sort of money one day? And what would she say to me? And he said to me, if she had this conversation with you, she would say to you, be the best. Money follows the best. And I think that was such a big, huge life lesson for me that it's always whatever you do, be the best. Because money, for, and you can see it in the world of golf, sports, everybody, the people that's attracting the wealth are the people that's the best at their game. So, and that's, so that's what I'm always striving to do. So you've always got to learn more. Just when you think you know it all, then there's another challenge. The world's changes, new technology. So, uh, so to me, it's always striving to be the best. And for the next level where I'm hoping to get over the next couple of years, it's a new, it's a different best. So you've got to be a different fit, a different, yeah. And you've got to be calm about it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you've got to also let, you know, I'm quite a, Go get her. So what I've also had to learn is sometimes you, you have to allow life to happen. So you've got to have that why and have your purpose. And you're going to have to then allow space for life to happen and create that and not be so stuck on the how we're going to do this and how I'm going to achieve it. So, and, and then you meet magic people and then somehow you get there where you want it to be. So you work in a, in a world that is dominated by men you, you I mean even on the panel yeah <laughs> one of very few girls yeah. and we all know about gender pay gaps and how much diversity in the workplace will make a huge change if more women were given the opportunity to be part of the workplace to be part of management part of leadership how has it been for you as a woman in this male world, how have you found your thread that allows you to remain gorgeous, amazing, feminine Hilda that you are and still be able to be successful? I think to me it's a huge concern that 50% of our workforce are women. 
but only 1% of the wealth in the country is held by women. So it's obviously something needs to happen and needs to be done. I think for me is I've never seen myself in the work environment as any different to the men. Men and women are very different sets of behaviors. We are always the ones, and if you read the Sheryl Sandberg book on Lean In, she describes it beautifully. If you see in a meeting of room or a meeting room, the woman will always go sit at the back around the room and the men will go sit at the table. The women are always the ones that doesn't want but afterwards have a lot of opinions. But while they have the opportunity to raise their opinion, very often are the quiet ones when the men are raising their opinions. And I read an interesting article the other day is why you know, the behavior of men in business is like team sport. We need to do this is what we need to do. And I think it comes it comes from the days of when they play soccer at school or rugby. They know the dynamics of running together as a pack and making goals happen. Where there's very few, maybe more now for the younger girls, but very few sports that women learn those team dynamics from a young, in a play environment from a young woman or it's like single sports. And so I think... If you if you're in a work environment where there's men and women as a team, it's not, and you can't take anything personal. The things men say, that's, they don't mean that you know. It's just how they would have said it to their buddy, you know. So, and then one woman want to take it personal. You have to, as that um, saying, you know, if you want to run with the wolves. Yeah, I don't know if I can say it out loud, but you can't. Um, <laughs> we be like a puppy. <laughs> you've, you've got so you're a woman that runs with wolves. I runs with wolves, and I don't know how I wee wee, but <laughs> but yeah, and she can't be um, right now. And I think also right now, luckily, when I'm at a level of of success and have achieved and have experiences, it's almost easier that men will listen. Um, but you also easier? don't play. I never play again. The woman, I'm a woman. You're a man. We people, and I also think, is it you, easier? Is it easier now that you now that you you've kind of for me? I succeeded. don't. You know, I don't do corporates. I, I can't speak for massive corporates. It's not my scene. It's not my game, and it's not anything I enjoy. I enjoy entrepreneurial, where we create, where we make things happen, and in that environment, I've never found it. Too difficult. Um, even I'm um, board meetings in America. You know, they. It's I've never had what a lot of women. So I, what a lot of women described as discrimination. Maybe I've just never noticed it. I'm not sure. So it's not part of my reality. So I can't really speak for women that feel that they were discriminated. I just, when I was younger, I know men, and I think for women need to teach men. How we want to be treated But for me it was always Letting men teach me Show me how you do Because you know I've got some skills And you've got skills So show me how you And men love showing you how What makes them successful They love showing and talking about What they've achieved And by that you you sort of break their defense Because now you're not trying to compete with them Or you know you learn from them And then they Totally open And then And that's how If I can learn from you You can learn from me This is the goal We need to achieve So how's the quickest Best way We're going to achieve These goals So I think We talk a lot about Women empowerment And Women uh, My concern about Women empowerment And not taking care Of men of the society Is What are we going to do If we have all of these Empowered women and the men feel disempowered. So to me, it's like a gender empowerment. It shouldn't be one as to the other, like how it used to be, where it was men and you have your male groups and the men, all you know, the men and women were always left behind. I think for us as women, if we really want to be empowered, we shouldn't be scared to take remarkable, to create remarkable young men. Also in the same process Because the danger in my opinion And this is purely my opinion Is if we become Too empowered that And the men feel too disempowered That we're going to lead to different Set of social Problems mm-hmm. Out there men need to feel that they need to Assert their power now over women And of all the 
the the men that you've learned from. I think we we all when we first saw all the the speakers, Sia and I, you met Sia outside. Sia and I had a had a moment about the <gasps> Richard Branson, mm-hmm. and I think in in the mind of every young person that that harbors any kind of ambitions for entrepreneurial life, Richard Branson is yeah. He's, he's up there, yeah, right next to God, you know. <laughs> um, what was the experience like? You were chosen to go and and be part of of a panel f- that was uh, that that was facilitated by Virgin and and Sir Richard Branson, and you went one of few women. South African women that yes, went up to the only to partic- South African woman to yeah. participate. And even I went. That was last year. And I went now in April again with a group of entrepreneurs. Again, the only South African. I think there were there were two wives of women that came with, and that was again like a main. And um, and I'm going now. They've invited me now. They've bought a place in Kenya. So, so he loves you. <laughs> Are we going in November to time. see what they're doing the in Kenya? Third time. You, you I, I think he's going right. to think I'm stalking him because he goes like, "Here she is." You must have done something right. <laughs> uh, it's to me, you know. Again, that's the magic, and, I, and I'm still learning a lot, and I'm still exploring why these opportunities. There's a reason for these opportunities in my growth and in my path for the future. Because I was sitting at a success summit, I think, in 2012, and he was a speaker on stage. And the same as all of us, everybody that want to meet him. And I sat there, and I knew I wanted to meet this person. And a year later, this opportunity. So almost exactly a year since I put that intention out there. So obviously, I grabbed this opportunity. And I think Necker is just my happy place. It's the most amazing island, what he's created there. And to me... Coming from a small country of, um, where we don't have those thinkers, just to see that it's possible to have this life. You read about it, you see it on, but you see that it is possible to me, like, you know, the blinkers just went off. And I went back and I came back and I thought, so what did you guys do? So you're on the island. We are, we are, we're <laughs> so on, the, on island. the island. So you have work. There's the rule. I think the rule is no work after lunchtime or something. It's got actually I got love a chair. That rule. <laughs> it's actually got a chair, ma- a, a cushion on a chair made out of ties from people that rock up there with a suit and tie on. <laughs> he chops the tie and they make this, these cushions. It's actually awesome. It's like just, the, the chair tells its own story. Thank God girls don't wear ties. <laughs> yeah, we don't wear ties, we don't wear Tells you how many so, men come there though. So we, so the mornings there's usually sessions where they bring in speakers, always discussions. The one we did now, we went out to, to dive with the turtles, because there's a huge, the, the, tur- the, the, you know, those sea, big sea turtles. There's a big conservation because again, similar to what we have in other parts of the world, they lack of food, so they hunt, so they endangered. So we'll go out, dive, catch them, tag them, those experiences that we have. And then just conversations of where's the world going? What's the planet? You know, how much more can the planet take before they're serious? Um, well, you can see the consequence on global warming already. But it just made sense when one of the scientists said in last year's meeting that, you know, when we have a fever and you're one degrees or two degrees hotter than usual, we um we feel sick we feel really bad when you get to four per- four degrees um hotter than what you usually are it's you're off fainting. to hospital you're off to hospital you're in danger but the planet is four percent hotter than what it should be and we don't think about it like that like how we would feel so those it should just put into perspective and then just brainstorming on what can be done on it, talking about it this this time this year was more business that Business conversations, um, lessons from him in business, how, you know, how he started, what was his successes, those types. It's just, and, you know, it's, it's not, you learn, but you learn just by talking to him. Every time he says something, and, and I think I feel so sorry for the poor man, because whenever he's somewhere, someone pitches the idea to him, and, 
and I, and he's so nice and kind. He always just listens and be kind, and you think, oh, you know, he's, why? Right. So I, I'd rather sit and talk and ask questions. And how do you do this? And how do you handle your family life when you're all over the world all the time? And and learning that sort of sense. And he, and he loves sharing his knowledge. We I think we one of the conversations. Well, you know how they partied and now he slowed down the partying a bit. Yeah, at his age, eh? At his age, is <laughs> now it's more his health. <laughs> and um, he was just saying like how his wife has a long leash, but she knows exactly when to yank that leash. <laughs> Keep him in tow. So it was sort of okay, and he's okay with that. <laughs> you know, he knows when he's getting a bit out of control, and then she just yanks him back, and then off he goes again. So, um, yeah, he's just a wonderful, relaxed person, and he treats everybody the same. He treats. There's this wonderful lady that stocks the bar at, there's the beach bar at Necker. Um, it treats her the same and listens to her, what she thinks and her thoughts and ideas. Exactly the same uh, as what I saw him when I was in London now, when Queen Noor, when he introduced and was with Queen Noor, you know, about world peace and talking about what, what can be done. So it doesn't, he has respect for everyone. It's not because you work for me and you down there, you know, you're just the bar lady, treat you any different. You still, you, you feel like you're the queen when he speaks to you. So it's, it's really, I think to, to get to that place is really awesome. Cause and I don't know. And what has been your biggest takeout from, from your various conversations, from the experiences on, in the various panels, in those think tanks? What has been your, your deepest, your biggest? I think is to learn to listen more and and not always wanting to bring your point across. He listens to everyone. So only when like someone would ask him, so what do you think? Would he have an opinion? So I think really and I, you know, to listen more, listen to what can be done and see in all of my connections, my network, my, my whatever, how can I make that happen? So I think if one can listen more to people, we can learn more. And when we learn more, we can probably come up with amazing ideas to make, to create amazing things in life. And have you come out of it inspired to do far more? You're, you're a philanthropist, you're a business person, you, you know, you're a mother. <laughs> Yeah. I saw that. So we're going to talk about that just now. I think I always feel I'm not doing enough. You I'm not, do. Yeah, it's, it's, there's so much need in the world and so much, there's just so much in, in our country. So sometimes I'm getting like panicky of like, what else can we do? But then my friend who, who runs Techie Tax, um, with me is, you know, she then, you're doing more than most people and you, what you're doing is amazing and we, how many people we're helping. So she then calms me down. But I think, um, it's like, I just, yeah, I wish, and I learn from them again. You have to, look, you can't compare me with Virgin Unite and, and all the stuff that they do, but, um, why not? <laughs> yet, not yet, why not? <laughs> not yet. <laughs> but, um, so I think for me is, it's possible for me it's just to create because once you create that possibility in your mind that just it's possible then a whole new world opens and i came back almost too scared to to think hey maybe i can be a billionaire maybe i can have an island you know i didn't want to say that to people the second time i came back or when i went it was like Four people looking for their own islands. Four people that's talking openly about the success they're going to achieve, and so, so it's almost it's okay, you know, it's okay. So I think when you can open, and it doesn't matter what that possibility is, and it doesn't matter what level you are, just maybe, maybe it can happen. Maybe it can be done. Then your mind tickles on on a different direction than when you say, "Well, it's not possible." And like Nelson Mandela says, everything's impossible till someone does it. So um, my mind is maybe, maybe, just maybe. That's where I'm. So it's always of. the possibility. Yes. I want to chat about um, being a mother just now, but <laughs> let's, this this is um, 
One Direction is one of your favorites. One, one Republic. Re- one Republic. <laughs> I, you know, so one, one, one like young voice. One you know? something. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's. We have to pay the bills. And then when we come back, we're going to chat a little bit more. I'm talking to Hilda Lerstedt. Landerstedt. Landerstedt. Is that Hilda. right? <laughs> <laughs> she says it's, it's Just, good enough. It's good enough. I'm Pumi Mashaka and you're listening to Umanda. Choice. Sometimes you have it and sometimes you don't. Autotrader gives you the choice. Now you can shop compare and buy new cars watch our expert video reviews and research before you buy auto trader new car the choice is yours keeping it real on it's called i've lived why is this your favorite yes i think when when I think back about my life, for me, is it's creating memories in life. Instead of gathering stuff, it's gathering memories. And I always, when I do something, is I think, okay, when you're 70 or 90 and you think back, will you be proud of this moment? And that song, I've lived, I want to feel I've lived. I've done it all. I've, there's nothing that I, you know, even the things you regret, you don't regret. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> you know what? You say that about the when my grandmother's post 90. And the most fascinating thing about living with, like seeing an older person like that, is she completely doesn't give a damn. She's just like, if she sees you and she's like, ooh, you've put on weight. Ooh, I don't know about this dress. And I'm just like, what is wrong with you? Just like, <laughs> I think, I think beyond a certain yeah. age, you even yeah. the regrets you don't regret, you just don't care. <laughs> so you were talking about balance. Um, we're talking to Hilda Landerstedt, who's one of the panelists at the Wealth Movement. Starts tomorrow. It's on tomorrow and Friday, Friday all day at the forum. At the forum, and the. Their workshops, their conversations, their inspiration, their information sharing, the whole two days are really about connecting with like-minded individuals, connecting with wealth smiths. I love that word. I never know how to say it, but I love that word. People who've done it, people who want to do it, investors, entrepreneurs, business people, anybody and everybody who's really interested in creating their best life. Creating, co-creating, I think it's it. Co-creating their best life. And you're one of the panelists. And, And for me, and I think every time I have this conversation with any woman, women have so many different hats. We have so many different roles and kind of juggling them all, holding them all up. You've managed to do that to a particular degree. You've got a successful yes. business. You, you're relatively happy. You look sane as I'm looking at you here. <laughs> Thank you. You look together. I <laughs> don't see, you. let me look at you. Oh, no, I don't see that crazy in your eyes. No, eye. I don't feel like crazy that you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a mother to a girl and a boy. Uh, she's at 10, hey? You're, she's just that right age, that 10 going on 30 maybe. That's it. <laughs> you know it. Yes. <laughs> and an yeah. eight-year-old. How, how are you finding the balance? For me, I think uh, yeah, I think it's also something you strive for all the time. And for my life, I plan. I, f- I drive myself crazy with planning and making lists and making lists to remember the lists. So I think if I look at myself and compare myself to other people, I definitely plan my day- days and my months more than the average person. But that's the only way I can fit everything in is I know exactly when and what. And also trying to avoid the things that gives me cause of stress and those are usually the things that I don't want to do. You know, I'm a person that says yes to everything and then after so I think, oh, why did I do that? But I've learned to say yes to the things I've been, I'm enjoying and then that's less stress and then you've, you find to slot it in. So with them, um, I share a lot with them of what I do and they're part of, we're all part of each other's journeys. I believe you know, I've got my journey and it's very easy 
And then I actually caught myself about two years ago that almost my identity, I became, my identity was them. And I was almost losing who I was and what I was going to be. And I think it's a dangerous when you do that. When you live your life through your kids. And I had to stop myself and How did you recognize that? I think for, for all women, for most women with children, I think that that's an inevitable kind of life stage. At some point, you stop becoming Pumi and you're like yes. Kanejo's mom. Yes. And, and so, so you go to kids' parties and all the kids. <laughs> and all their mothers. Yeah. All the kids and call you Kanejo's mom and their mothers, mothers. and you yes. forget who you are. So how did you identify that that's what was happening to you and bring yourself back? I I think when I realized or it's the patterns we do and the decisions we make is I, you know, I'm divorced. So I had to, what my wake up call was that on the December holidays, my comfort zone was having them over Christmas and New Year and I could sort of get wrapped up in them. And that's the excuse why I can't do anything else. And I just realized you can't do that four years in a row now because then it's, then that will become that and, it, and then you get into that uncomfortable situation where now I decide, okay, well, particularly I think it was last year, I'm gonna be on my own. I'm gonna do my own thing they, for that period, and you know they can be with their dad. And it was nerve wracking for me because now I've got to find what do I want to do, what do I like, what do I, where do I want to spend my time. So I think that that's always I'm very. Aware of myself, my thoughts, my feelings And checking in with myself All the time To understand where am I Because I can only be the, their best mother If I understand myself If my tank is full If I have energy I can give my best to the world Philanthropy, the businesses If I'm in that right space And I see so many women They they wait till you know Their tanks are almost empty And they don't have any more fuel left to give and then they want to, you know, it's too late because then they're in burnout and they can't cope and can't deal and want to fall apart. So I think for women is to do things, to learn, it's guilt-free and it's okay to do things for yourself, to have those little moments or the bath or the things. And maybe I get up half an hour earlier than my kids so I can just have that half an hour of me, of having a cup of coffee and looking at the sun or so I do just other things that works for me and you know different things works for different people so but I do share they share my life with them they are like I said they're part of my journey but also not to the point where they have to sacrifice their own journey so when I do like they go to bed at eight o'clock so sometimes my international work needs to wait and my calls and, and stuff I do when they go to bed but if I have to do calls I'll sit in the room with me the one will play the iPad other one will read the book but they can listen to the conversations I'm having and then afterwards they can ask questions you know or so I think I think in my opinion again you can't segregate family and life it's all sort of one you know they it's all sort of this mix it's bit, you know, for mothers, the kids, and, and we've got to create a world where that's okay. Have you had to make sacrifices to have all the things that you've got? To have the life of that you've course. got? Of course. You have to. When you're when you, from running, starting up and growing the business, you know, you, you can't always go out and party or jaw or, or do the things because tomorrow you have to be fresh and awake. So there's, and then as you become successful, there's a lot of people that becomes jealous. They're jealous of your success because mm. they never had it. They, they still sit in a job earning a salary. Really? So, so you have to s- sacrifice people sometimes and you have to, yeah, but eventually there's a saying that says if you do what others won't do, for a short period of time, eventually you'll be able to do what others can't do. And when you get there, it's, but then, you know, you move into different, you grow all the time. So the sacrifice, I think the biggest sacrifice probably was, um, getting divorced at the end of, of all of this. But it was again also the journey. You know, that it was not something I intended to do, and I don't really want to talk about it right now, but I think that was a big sacrifice. But in the same looking back now, I also understand why that had to happen to free me up for bigger things. 
because you know otherwise I would have had to stay playing small. Um, so so everything happens in life that's supposed to happen, and you just have to trust. You know, Steve Jobs said you can't connect the dots looking forward. But when you get to a point and you look back, then you can connect the dots. So I've learned to also accept that at some point, <laughs> I can now already look back and see where the dots, why certain things happen. But in another five years, when I look back, then more dots are going to be connected. So, so I think I'm going to be in a good place. And it's, and what I had to deal with, I think, was with guilt, like all moms. All women, this is the guilt. scourge. Guilt. And, and I How had, did you deal with I the guilt? I actually had a full day coaching session on guilt, specifically as a topic. And what the, my coach said to me and what I've learned is the best thing you can give your kids as a mother is to raise them to be independent, to raise them to think for themselves, to fend for themselves, and to realize that you can't, that they have to live a life with you're not always there. So you've got to give them those tools for the times that you're not there. And how can you then be a bad mother if you are giving your kids those tools that they can be independent and can be independent thinkers and questioning the world and questioning uh, the things that they want to question. And, and then I realized that the guilt doesn't serve me at all. It doesn't serve them. It doesn't serve them if I'm not doing what I want to do because now I'm guilty and they didn't enjoy it. They now totally, now that I'm stuck, this is what I need to do. I need to go away, you know, like I'm going to Kenya. They understand why I want to learn, what I want to learn from Richard Branson, how I come back with these great ideas. They're cool with it. And then life goes on, you know. So I've, I think with them, I've, I don't know if you ever, if you heard about the book Love Languages. That opened my eyes very that, much. That is very that, fascinating. Yeah. So I totally apply love languages in how I love them and how I discipline them. What's and your love totally, language? Mine is quality yeah. time. Quality Just time. Talking, chatting, understanding where people are, getting to know people. So they now take such ownership when they say, will come to me and say, Mom, my lovely, my son is quality time. I need to come sit with you now. You need to now spend time with me. So they, it's at the point where they actually take ownership to say, oh, my daughter is, I think, words of affirmation. It's like, I need you to say good things to me now. So then I know that, so they come and they tell me what they need and then we just have a great time. So they, they travel a lot and it's, I think what it's hard is, to to not let my success predict theirs or have an impact on theirs or the things that we do that they can't necessarily that their friends or other people don't necessarily um do or can do. This and is unradio Hilda, don't let it <laughs> <laughs> people walking in and out. It's unradio. We're living okay. our lives. <laughs> That's how we do, hey. <laughs> so so yeah, so it's, I guess my challenge is that they, that they stay grounded in pretty much a world we can do whatever we want to do. Um, and not, and, and understand their responsibility in that world that they grow up. You know, and I had a long conversation with them. We went to my game lodge week, that long, the long weekend, 24th. And, um, they just accepted me at friends and everybody over. And I, you know, and like they're also blase about it, and I thought, you, know, <laughs> you better know. Looking at three lions stalking a rhino, and <laughs> oh, can we go? Like this is so like so boring. boring. Now. <laughs> so although you, that's my guess, challenge. I think oh, within that day to teach them to appreciate every moment in life, because kids are can be brattish. Mm. You know, they just accept and. So they're indulged. You've worked yeah. very hard. Yeah. And you, you, yeah. I think every parent works very hard because we want to give our children a life we never had. Although, Hilda, you must accept that for an eight year old boy to be watching a lion stalking a rhino, game farms, I've always found <laughs> for like beyond a certain, <laughs> below a certain age, it's a little quite. Yeah. So now I made the rule. <laughs> <laughs> I've realized that. Now. <laughs> 
Wow. Yeah. And as a South African, I think the the issue of privilege for me raises a, a very interesting dynamic. As a South African, for you as a South African being exposed to this entire world of thinking and completely different and mostly first world, what do you think you bring to those conversations as a South African? I think as a South African, what South Africa, we were so secluded and excluded from the world for so long that we don't, we almost don't allow ourselves that we can actually play on a world stage. We play small and that came from our heritage and where we come from and sanctions and we were, we, we never were allowed. A whole generation never traveled almost. Um, so I think we play too small as South Africans in, on the world stage. I think we need to understand we have abilities and we have what our heritage brings us to show the world a way to do that there's no precedence for that no other country really has that um and i think yeah it's just open open our minds to that and open that we we should have our voices heard we should have the world taking i mean when we're the only i found in the first world countries there's a lot of money so creativity Real money, eh? Hey? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dollars and euros. But with much money, they never need to be creative because all when they start a business, they get investors and off goes the business. And now that it's getting tough, they need to actually start thinking creatively and the, the world is struggling with that. That's why so many that's why the first world is economies are declining. Whereas when we come from our country specifically, and I can only speak because it's my reference where I come from where there was never a lot of money. When you have to start a business, you have to, you know, you have to find a way. You have to think of ways. How are we going to raise money? How Mark are we going to do this? Did you know that? We, I think we're the only country in the world that can say we just mark a plan and everybody understands what we're talking about. And so we're actually a very creative people. We're a very creative country. And that comes where we can show the world how to build businesses how to make a difference without needing a lot of money but just the passion and the drive that we have and i think over time south africa will teach the world how to how to do in an economy that um you know we 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 don't have much going for us or that we don't have a lot of inflow of money or, or that sort of thing we have to make it we have to make it ourselves and i think Every South African has to start understanding where this country is and that we're just a speck really in the world. If we're not going to make it for ourselves or um, start playing bigger, the world's going to forget about us. And I think that's also what the next two days are about is to understand the bigger picture, to understand, have a plan B. Because... Um, you know, it's just to, uh, to, to hear what the trends in the world is, to, to hear and be inspired. I mean, I, whenever you sort of in doubt, I just, you know, watch a TED talk or I continuously feeding myself with inspiring videos. But here you have people that, uh, that come from all over the world to talk. So it's just to learn and to, um, and open ourselves up to that so that we, when we're equipped with information, and knowledge, we can then have a voice and start playing on a bigger stage in the world. Do you have all the details, or am I putting you on the spot, Mandy, to come tell us if people are listening and they're interested? And you want to be Cliff Central is one of our um, is is one of your media sponsors. Yes, I'm putting you on the spot. The mic is going to be on. You are putting me on the spot. I'm always behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> this is your moment, Gal. This is your moment, Hilda. You've been sitting here, and Hilda's been going on for 50 minutes about the possibility. Just you can you make see. it happen. And, and Mandy is one of to me. <laughs> Mandy is one of the ladies that I'm so proud of. Hey, in the last year, and I keep on saying it to her. That's um, yeah, she amazing. got me out of my comfort zone. Well, now you're <laughs> definitely out of your comfort totally. zone. How do people 
get tickets to come through to the wealth movement tomorrow? What can people expect? Obviously, if you've been listening to Hilda, she's going to be there and she's going to be sharing much more than what she's been able to share here. But how do I get into the venue even? Okay, well, basically it is happening from tomorrow morning, half past seven till six o'clock tomorrow evening. Uh, then it will be Friday from do you have to eight. be there? Do you have to be there the whole time? Do you have to arrive no. at 7.30 till 6 o'clock or you can come and go? You, various you sessions? can come and go. The first session is the most vital session because all the speakers are coming together and having their various chats as a panel. Uh-huh. So that's why we don't just want people to stand up and stand there for half an hour. People could get bored. This is interactive. This is a panel. This is getting the crowd involved. But also and the speakers like Roger Hamilton that's coming, Paul Niederer from Australia. I would suggest tomorrow should be, and then the Friday there's breakaway sessions, so you can choose which session you then want. If you want to un- understand how does life in America works, how's life in Australia, how do I set up a trust or my structure? So there's different sessions then. How RT is taking over the world, how business is working through RT. I mean, your mm. your. Whole Cliff Central is a whole dynamic that is a first to South Africa as well. So mm-hmm. this is why we tied in with you and there's, yeah. Is it a two day pass or can you buy a ticket for each day or do you have to buy both days? No, you don't have to buy both days. Um, basically they can email Kevin at wealthmigrate.com. So I will wealth migrate, yes. but it's I, I also, there's also a link on Cliff Central. There's a link on Cliff Central that people can go through to wealth movement to click through and see more information on it. And we also are giving away some tickets. So, aha. Uh-huh. Yes. So yeah, I'm not getting station. to give away tickets, but somebody through to Kevin through whole, <laughs> the whole, just send, think, send yeah, your email. Kevin at wealth migrate. Kevin at wealth Kevin and if there's any ladies out listening, I'll be hosting a ladies' lunch on Friday for, I think, close to two hours. So we will then can have more conversations about Ladies, you heard it here <laughs> first. I'm Pumi Mashiko. Thank you so much, Hilda, for coming and chatting with me. Been checking, checking, chatting with Hilda Landestet. Now that I Kevin, know how to say better. it, I'm just going to be saying it all the time. <laughs> and thank you, Mandy, for getting out of your comfort zone and having this short conversation with some of Thank those you. Kevin at wealthmigrate.com is one of the ways you can win yourself a ticket or if you want to find out more it's happening tomorrow and Friday there's a two hour ladies lunch that Hilda's going to be uh, hosting as well so please make the time to go out there ladies Thank you so much for coming and chatting thank with you me. So much Hilda, for thank you me. for sharing you. sharing yourself with us in this hour. I'm Pume Mashekho. You've been listening to Womandla and I'm going to play out with one of my favorites because today, this is how I feel. I'm feeling good. Keeping it real on cliffcentral.com